0: And, uh, okay, uh, always, so, I'm that will give me the grace to trust in Jesus. service, if you have a chance uh, catch up with them get to know them introduce yourself um, and uh, it's just a sweet sweet family sweet couple so let's go to the lord let's worship him this morning and uh let's lift up our hearts and uh and rejoice in uh, in the salvation we have in christ
1: amen 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 church let's let's stand in worship Amen. So today's call to worship uh, as we meditate the Lord's word is out of Psalm 98, verses 1 and 2. It says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation, he has revealed his righteousness in the sights of the nations. And so let's worship our Lord. Amen this morning. Mm -hmm. Sing all together. Sing I once. I once was lost in darkest night Yet thought I knew the way The sin that promised joy in life Had led me to the grave I had no hope that you would own a rebel too I ran. But as I ran, my hellbound race, indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. Yes, Lord, and I beheld God's love displayed, you suffered it. You bore the wrath reserved for me. Now all I know is grace. Yes, we do, Lord. Let's sing. Hallelujah. The strength to follow your commands could never come from me. O Father, O Father, use my ransom life in any way you choose, and let my song forever be my own. Continue worship. Sing together who has held who has held the oceans in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice, all creation, all creation. Come and adore Him. Sing together. Who has given? And who has given counsel to? The Lord? Who can question? And who can question? come and adore Him and worship Him. Sing him. You will reign. Sing together. You will I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul. My soul, Rain My Soul. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. truth in that, Lord, in understanding the gospel and the work that you have done on the cross for us, delivering us, Lord, from sin. God, you are worthy of our praise, worthy of our praise. And right now, Lord, I pray that you may continue to be uh, worshiped and praised, Lord, through Lord now. May you be uh, glorified, Lord, during this time. May we be encouraged and edified by it as well. God, we ask you this for your glory. And thank you, Lord, for this amazing time of worship. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, may be seated.
0: Amen. I do want to... Uh, spend some time as we normally do praying, but uh, specifically as I mentioned during the announcements, uh, if you uh, happen to trickle in after the announcements, I want to pray specifically uh, for Dino and Janice uh, Cognali, who are missionaries in Africa, uh, in Kenya uh, specifically, and just their their work out there uh, as doctors in in a clinic uh, in addition, I actually want to uh, read us uh, a prayer, and there's nothing wrong with uh, written a prayer. Uh, there's a lot of people in uh, uh, in church history who have written wonderful prayers, um, and I would commend to you a, a small book uh, called The Valley of Vision, which has very a lot of different prayers. Uh, many of them are from Puritans, but wonderful, wonderful prayers, uh, and just because they're in doesn't mean that we can't uh, pray them or make them our own. So I want to spend some time praying for the Crognallis and also just reading to us a, a prayer that I hope that will kind of resonate with you and that you can agree with and also be a, a kind of a, a desire uh, of your heart uh, to the Lord. So let's go before the Lord and let's, let's pray together. Lord, What? What a privilege it is and what a joy it is to come before you and to worship you, to sing of how great you are, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us to yourself and that we have the opportunity to come together as your people, to worship you, to praise you, to delight in you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to have Dino and Janice Crognelli and share their story, to share their hearts for missions, to share their hearts for the lost, and their hearts for caring for people uh, who are in need of medical care. The powerful call, Lord, upon their lives to to lay it all down and to go and devote their lives to healing people and sharing the gospel. And so we pray for them, and we ask, Lord, that you would help them in all that they do. Help them, Lord, as they said to their hands, their minds, Lord, to caring for many people. We pray that you would work among all those who work with them in this clinic that you would provide all that they need as they provide the care? Would you also help them as they, also, as they aim to share the gospel, praying with people, continue to give them boldness, wisdom, and increasing love for people? And would you also help them as they seek to train others and send them out to heal and to share the gospel with others? Would you bless the work of their hands? Would you give them the desire of their hearts? Lord, we pray as they, as they look to have a, an ER room in their clinic, would you provide all that they need for this? Would you provide the, the, the funds, the resources, the people, just everything that they need, Lord, to be able to better care for people? Would you provide graciously for them in that way? Lord, we pray... That you would also give them great wisdom as they struggle through the challenge of COVID, ministering in a place that doesn't have nearly as many resources as there are available here in our country. Would you provide? Would you help them? Would you protect them as well? Father, we pray also that as they transition back uh, to Kenya, that you would prepare their hearts, Lord, of their entire family as they leave behind their oldest daughter who goes, who's going to college. God, we pray that, that you may help her and sustain her and give her wisdom and that you would direct her paths. We pray for the rest of the family as they move back to Kenya. Lord, help them. Give them the strength, Lord. Help them, Lord, to, to be able to set their minds to the work. We pray, God, that they would entrust her soul to you, to entrust her care to you, God. Because as long as she is in your hands, And she is safe. Father, we we thank you, Lord, for the ways that you show just how valuable the gospel is through their lives. As I think about the Apostle Paul and how he says in Philippians 3 about how he gave everything up, suffered the loss of all things in order that he may gain Christ and know him. Lord, thank you for this missionary family, Lord, who is such a tangible example of what Paul was talking about, to leave everything behind all for the sake of knowing Christ and also to make him known to others. We pray that you would bless their efforts, that you would use their lives to encourage many others, including us as well. Lord, and we direct our hearts to you, this morning. Lord, and we desire to have more of you. Father, and I pray that this prayer would not just be a prayer that is just written or read, but that this would be a desire of our hearts, Lord. A prayer that says, I can but tell you, but you know, that I long for nothing else but you, nothing but holiness, nothing but union with your will. You have given me these desires, and you alone can give me the thing desired. My soul longs for communion with you, for mortification of indwelling corruption, especially spiritual pride how precious it is to have a tender sense and clear apprehension of the mystery of godliness, a true holiness. What a blessedness to be like you as much as it is possible for a creature to be like its creator. Lord, give us more of your likeness. Enlarge our soul to contain the fullness of holiness. Engage us to live more for you. Help me Help us to be less pleased with spiritual experiences when I feel at ease after sweet communions. Teach me. It is far too little I know and do. Blessed Lord, let me climb up near to you and love and long and plead and wrestle with you and pant for deliverance from the body of sin. For my heart is wandering and lifeless and my soul mourns to think it should never lose sight of its beloved. Lord, wrap our lives in divine love and keep us ever desiring you, always humble, always resigned to your will, more fixed on yourself, that we may be more fitted for doing and suffering. Help us, O Lord. That our soul would continue to pant for you like a deer pants for flowing streams, that our heart would e- e- eagerly and earnestly seek for you, that you may be the greatest treasure of our lives, that you may be the greatest desire of our hearts. We pray all of these things in the wonderful and precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. If you would please turn to Philippians Philippians 3, we'll pick it up in verse, Philippians 3, verse 12, reading to verse 16. Again, Philippians 3.12, not that I have already obtained this, that is the resurrection, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we pray that you may speak to us this morning. Encourage us, give us the strength, the will, and the desire to strain ourselves forward to what lies ahead of us, and that is for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. C.S. Lewis wrote a sermon titled, Weight of Glory, and in that sermon, he writes, if there lurks In most modern minds, the notion that to desire our own good, and earnestly to hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing, I submit that this notion has crept in from Immanuel Kant and the Stoics, and is no part of the Christian faith. Indeed, if we consider the unblemishing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. In other words, there are many, such as Kant, Stoics, philosophers in the past who would say that to do something, whether it's a good action, whether it's something right or moral, whether it's to be a good husband, whether it's to be a good friend, whatever the case may be, whatever it is that you would try or endeavor or aim to do, that you must do so out of a sense of duty and duty alone. And if there is in any any part of you a desire to do something out of a desire to enjoy it, so because you see it as as something that fulfills your own good or happiness, then it is not a moral action. And C.S. Lewis would say that's actually unbiblical. I think he would even go so far to say that it's Anti-God. The Philippians, or the letter to Philippians, is a letter about joy. Over and over again, we're hearing about joy. There's a theme, there's a command about joy, rejoicing in the Lord. And that's certainly not just a duty. Like, we don't pursue the Lord to rejoice in Him just out of a sense of duty, but we do so out of a delight in the Lord. And we consider all the promises that are contained for us in the Scriptures, all the rewards that are written for us in in the Gospels, that are there for us to receive, that are waiting for us in heaven, right? C.S. Lewis says is that there are so many things promised to us in the scriptures that are much more valuable than anything else. And the problem that we have is not that, the problem is not necessarily that we don't have desire. It's essentially what the Stoics and others try to kill. It's the, it's the killing of desire. But our problem is that we have competing desires. Our problem is that we desire for the, some things To a greater degree than things that we should be desiring, to a much greater degree. Or even sometimes we desire things that we shouldn't be desiring. Sometimes we desire the wrong things. Sometimes we even desire sin more than the rewards, more so even than desiring Jesus. And so, in the Gospels, in the New Testament, actually, in all of the Bible, there is a sense of pursuing the Lord out of duty, but there is also a pursuing of the Lord out of delight, out of sheer joy. Yes, I want to pursue the Lord because he commands me to, but I also want to pursue the Lord because I know that it is for my own good, because he is my satisfaction, because he is my joy. So here in a passage, the Apostle Paul really describes the Christian life as a sort of race. Now, in a race, in the passage, I think we see three different, three basic things that are necessary for the race. One is the prize. I mean, the race has to be worth running, and so there has to be a prize at the end, something that we're running for, something that we're striving for. There's the prize, something else that's essential for the race to make the race a race is that you need the right mindset. If you're going to finish the race, you're going to need to have your mindset on the right things. And also, if you're going to run this race, if you're going to cross the finish line, then you're also, you're going to need the fitness as well. So then, let's talk about this race. And in this race, we see this duality of duty and delight. And by the way, I wonder just how is your walk with the Lord? Or how has it been? Something that we, right? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've been following the Lord for a certain length of time, that you know the experience of pursuing the Lord out of just out of sheer sense of duty. Are you, I wonder if you're kind of feeling like that this morning. Are you pursuing the Lord? Are you walking with the Lord mostly today out of just a sense of duty and less so of a delight? So my prayer and hope is that the Lord may invigorate our hearts and re-energize us to pursue the Lord this morning, not just out of sense of duty, but also just out of a pure sense of delight because we love the Lord Jesus. So let's talk about the prize. Paul says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So there is a prize that comes with the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And this upward call of God is the call of God upon your life. It is the electing call of God upon your life. It is the predestining call of God upon your life where he chose you and then the the effectual call of God where you're actually placed in the race. Ephesians 1, 3 tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God has chosen you before the foundations of the world. And then in the moment, wherever that moment was for you, where you became a follower of Jesus Christ, for some of you, that was a very decisive moment. For some of you, it's hard to pinpoint when that when that was, but regardless, there was a time when you were not a Christian and a time when you became a follower of Jesus Christ. And whenever that moment was, was the moment when you were effectively placed in the race. There is no Christian, there is no follower of Jesus Christ who isn't in a race right now. Hebrews 12 speaks to this race. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We're in verse 12 of Hebrews 12. He, therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet. The Lord has called you to Himself and He's called you to be a part of this race. We are called to f- cross the finish line. There's a the moment when you would transfer into the kingdom. From the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the beloved son of jesus christ the moment where you were born again the moment when the holy spirit of god came upon your life and you became adopted into the household of god and with that calling you also received an equipping for the race you've right? be giving the holy spirit of god who is our sanctifier who is our strength who helps us in our time of need you have be giving knowledge of god's word You've been given a family to run with, where you're included into the household of God. And you've been given salvation. You are saved. You are declared righteous. You are justified in the name of Jesus Christ. And so Christians now live in a time between the already have and the not yet have. Right, you already have the equipping for the race. You have the calling. You have the salvation. You have the Holy Spirit of God. You have the household of God. You have the Word of God in you. You have the Word of God written for you. But then what we're, we're toiling and we're struggling and we're running for the things that we do not yet have. That is just simply there waiting for us. And so there's those things at the finish line that we're striving for. Paul says in verse 11 of chapter 3 in Philippians, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Ultimately, that's what Paul was after. That's the reward that's waiting for followers of Jesus Christ, the resurrection and it's more than that. According to First Peter chapter one, there's glory and honor and praise that is also waiting for us. The gospel's promises, war, rewards, and for the things that people do in this life. Again, it says, By any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. By any means possible. the resurrection and the resurrection right it's a wonderful reward to those who follow jesus christ and endure to the end but ultimately the reason why you want to have the resurrection of jesus christ is because it is at the resurrection where you receive more of jesus christ because the prize at the end of the road is essentially a person and that is a person of christ The resurrection ultimately results in the full comprehension of christ not just an intellectual comprehension of christ but a full grasping of the intimate relationship that you can and do and should enjoy now with jesus christ enjoying that to a much fuller and greater degree that you and i cannot experience in this life and so for the christian there is no heaven without christ there is no reward that can replace Christ. There is no person that might be waiting for us in heaven that can replace the person of Jesus Christ. Essentially, we don't. We should not want heaven if Christ isn't there. We should not want any reward if it doesn't mean also having Christ. The prizes and the gifts and the rewards that the, that the Scriptures promises us are, are, on account of enduring until the end and following Jesus Christ is wonderful. We should set our sights on those things. We should desire those things, but ultimately we desire those things because they ultimately enhance our enjoyment of Jesus Christ. Christ is essentially what we're after. It's like for an anniversary, you know, husband gifting to his spouse, his wife, you know, a week vacation in the Bahamas. He says, "Wow, this is wonderful. Here we go. Where are we going? When are we going?" He says, "What do you mean, we? Uh, You're going. I'm. I'm staying around." But isn't the point of an anniversary to enjoy it together? Right? There is no anniversary without enjoying it together. Now, some of you might actually really appreciate a nice time away by yourselves. That's the case. I'm going to pretend this doesn't say anything about your love for your spouse. But do you understand what I mean? The Heaven is essentially about a person enjoying the person of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, we want Christ. He's ultimately our reward. And so this is the prize that we strive for. This is the goal of the Christian race. And so this is the prize we're after. This is what makes the race worthwhile. This is what makes the race worth struggling and toiling and giving it our all by any means possible, the word says, in order to attain the resurrection. The scriptures are showing us, reminding us that the prize at the end is worth the hard work. So the prize is necessary in the race, something to set our sights on, but you also need the mindset as well. One thing I do, the word says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I'm sure you've all seen this, right, whether it's an Olympic race or not, or whatever context it might be, when a a, a runner. And I think the idea here is not necessarily a marathon race, but more like a, a, a distance, a distance race. Where the, the the racers, the runners are at the starting line and they're just they're ready, they're ready to go, and then you hit a gunshot and immediately they get up and they start running, they giving it their all. Forgetting the beginning, forgetting the starting place, forgetting everything that lies behind and all they are focused on is on the prize, It's on reaching the finish line as fast as possible. forgetting everything that lies behind him. Not thinking about the person, the racers to the left and right, not constantly looking back to see if anybody's catching up because otherwise you're going to slow down. But the mindset has to be a focus, a singular focus on the race and at the prize at the end of the race. And it's not that you forget your past entirely, kind of like erase it out of your mind, but it's that you don't, Remember the past in such a way that it becomes a distraction in the present. Because if we look too much to the past, whether it's good or bad, right, sometimes we like to reminisce, sometimes we like to think about the good old days, and maybe sometimes wish that we could go back to the good old days. But looking too much into the past can distract you from the present. Might even be dangerous. A kind of a stark and extreme example we actually have in the scriptures in Genesis nineteen, in the destruction of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis nineteen fifteen, the angels say to Lot, Up, take up your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered, so the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand. The Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and sent him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills lest you be swept away. In other words, run for your life and look ahead. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground, but... Lot's wife behind them looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Why did she become a pillar of salt? Is it because she transgressed the command of the angel to not look back? Probably, yeah. But why did she ever look back in the first place? Is it maybe perhaps to see the destruction for herself? Maybe. But I think it's more than that. I think it speaks to desire. Right, because what was in Sodom and Gomorrah represented all that she had. That was their life. And Lot was a pretty wealthy man. So it's all the treasures. Everything was behind. Right, sometimes we tend to look at the past. Sometimes, right, or maybe, well, if you following Jesus Christ, it calls you to lay down your lives and give up certain things or give up a lot of things. And sometimes we come to a point where we wish that we could have the things that we had in the past and at the same time follow Jesus. Right, but, follow, but it, it, right, it isn't both. And so sometimes there's a desire for the past. There's sometimes a desire for the things that we once had in the past that become a distraction to us in the present. It's not even just looking to the past. Right, by the way, we need not fear such a, an outcome to happen to us when we look to the past, like what happened to Lot's wife. But sometimes, it's not just thinking about the past, but sometimes it might be just looking too much ahead that keeps you from being focused on the present and running the race here and now. Sometimes we like to reflect, reminisce. It might be the calling of the Lord has called you to go to a certain place, and you like the way the things were in the past. You like maybe perhaps your old church, old friends, old experiences, and maybe sometime, someday in the future, it's your intention to go back to wherever it is you hold your dearest memories. When we hold on to those things, tight-fisted and desire a lot of it or think too much of it, we have, it it distracts us, it keeps us from being intentional in the present, in the moments with the people that you're surrounded with. And sometimes we look too much ahead and think about what's coming. We get excited. We anticipate. We long for what's coming ahead to a degree where we feel kind of distanced from the present, distant from those around us, keeping people at arm's length because we're always looking ahead. If you want to have the right mindset in running the race, if you want to run the race well, then you've got to be focused on the present. It's not bad to plan ahead, but there should be a much greater, a much more concentrated effort in focusing on the present than in the past or in the future. Focus on the race right now, focus on the race today, and run the race well. And setting your mind in the right place is setting your mind on the right prize or the only prize that is at the goal of the fin- at the, and then the finish line. Again, it says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Right. So picture a runner coming to the finish line, right? So extending his hand to have those extra inches to be able to grasp the finish line. Or sometimes you'll see that they'll, they'll stick out their chest to gain those extra inches in order to cross the finish line, right? The giving it their all, giving it their efforts. It's not just about the, the mind, but it's one's entire disposition is given to running the race well because the prize is worth it. Again, verse 11, says, by any means possible. Have you ever maybe said that about something that you've wanted. Like, I, will do, I would do anything to get this or to receive this or have this experience. I would do anything for this. Or maybe you have. Maybe there's something that you've acquired, something you've achieved, something, some kind of experience, whatever it is that you've sacrificed a lot in order to receive, whether good or bad. And that's the kind of effort that we see here in the passage that we're encouraged to have, that we would do anything possible to make sure that we are running so as to receive the prize at the end. You might say, well, I'm saved, right? I have salvation. I know the Lord Jesus. Like, why do I need to struggle so hard? Because the treasure is enjoyed now. Right, Jesus says in the Gospels that eternal life is to know God. Right, you don't wait until heaven to know God. You, do, you know God today. You know God right now. You know God every day. No, heaven is not something that we wait for. Heaven is something that we get to enjoy right now because heaven is Christ. And we want to enjoy Christ. We want to delight in Christ. We want to know Christ. Again, C.S. Lewis says that our problem is that we are too easily pleased. Sometimes we want material things. Sometimes we want worldly things. Sometimes we want even sin more than, than we want Jesus or the rewards that are promised to us in the Scriptures. The problem of desire. Right, and that happens to be you this morning. The Lord is calling you to reorient your desires and set your desires in the right place. It's good to desire things that are good in life, things that are good to receive, things that the Lord even blesses you with, be greater than your desire for Christ. This tells us that the Lord is not someone that you get bored with. Right? Sometimes, like we can be like kids, we have like a new toy or something that's new, and then you want something else because it's new. No matter what it is, no matter the condition. Right, my kids were at a house yesterday, and it's not a form of pride, but their swing set didn't, was paled in comparison to the one at my house. But what would they say? They liked it better. And the only reason they liked it better was because it's new, new to them, because they've never used it before. But that's not how we should treat our relationship with Christ. Repeated commands to have joy in the Lord the read for us in the scriptures is, tells us is that not only is the Lord worthy to be worshipped and praised, but he is also worthy to be delighted in. So we have these competing desires, when a desire ultimately should be for more of Christ. And so running the race well means having the right mindset, being focused in the present, running after the prize, giving it your all, exerting every effort, focusing on the prize. And lastly, to run the race well, you also need the right fitness. Anybody who's ever run a marathon or any kind of distance running for competition will tell you that it requires a change of lifestyle. Right, if you want to win, or even if you want to run the race and not keel over and die, you need to have the right diet. You're not going to get there by eating potato chips and Chick fil A every other day. Though I'd love to do that. But there's a problem of competing desires. It requires a change of exercise, it even requires a change of sleeping habits. Right, if you're, not, if you're only getting five hours of sleep a day, you're going to have a hard time running competitively. Right, you need to be sure, before you engage in a ki- any kind of race, you need to be sure that your body can handle it. And how do you get fit for the race? Verse 12 says, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Parallel passage, which we've read before, Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but also, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You're in the race because of Christ. The only reason you're running is because of Christ. Because you've been made alive in Christ. You know, dead people don't run races. Ephesians 2.1 tells us that you, are one, you and I were once dead in our trespasses and sins. Lifeless. Right? Imagine telling a corpse, hey, get up and run. Right? It doesn't work. It's just going to stay there. And right, if you're here this morning, and if you don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you don't call yourself a Christian, if he just says that you are dead and trespasses and sins, there is no prize at the end of the race for you because you're not even in the prize or in the race. But the good news of the gospel is that today you can be made alive in Christ. and turn your life to Christ. Because at the end of the road... There is no prize. There's only the judgment and the wrath of God. But even saved and be spared of the judgment of God, you could be made alive in Jesus Christ by believing in Christ as the Son of God who came into the world, died on the cross, and rose again from the dead. And if you believe in Him, confess your sins to the Lord, then He will forgive you of your sins, make you alive, place you in the race, equip you with all that you need for the race so that you may run well. But even us, as Christians, as those who follow Jesus Christ, whether you've been following the Lord for six months to decades, we still need to make sure that we are fit for the race. And how do you maintain a good level of fitness to be able to run well? It's a steady diet of the Word of God. Are you in the Word on a regular basis? A steady intake of the means of grace that God has established, which is corporate worship, fellowship with other saints, prayer. It's walking in the commands of the Lord. It's forsaking sin. In those ways, you maintain a fitness for the race. So you've been given all that you need. You've been given the Holy Spirit of God. You've been given God's word Equipped for the race, it's up to you and I to maintain our level of fitness as we run the race. And as we run the race, let us make every effort as we run this, we run this race. The Lord says, let those who are, who are mature think this way. And if anybody disagrees in any of these things, the Lord will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Essentially, set your mind on these things. Set your mind on the prize. Set your mind on the race. And run well and run hard. And it's an entrusting to the Lord. If any of you disagree with any of these things, then the Lord, I'm entrusting, will reveal that to you. Will reveal the truth to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have already attained. Regardless of your level of knowledge of those scriptures, regardless of your comprehension of the things of the gospel or of God, no matter if you're a younger or an older Christian, live in a manner that is consistent with, what, with the truth that has been revealed to you in his word. And if you consider yourself mature in the gospel of Jesus Christ, then set your mind on these things. Just your sights on the prize. Pursue it with all of your heart, with all of your efforts. Matthew eleven twelve, 12 says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Luke 16, 16, a parallel passage. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. Right? Picture an army taking over a city picture a massive crowd bursting into a house this is not about the self-righteous trying to force their way into the kingdom of heaven this is those who are have heard the gospel preached and they are endeavoring they are pursuing the lord they are wanting to make sure that they are getting into the kingdom and so they will do anything possible to make sure that they are getting into the kingdom of heaven they pursue it with vigor, with strength, with might, with earnestness, because they desire it by any means possible. I want the kingdom. I want Christ. And yet many Christians in the world, are instead of running the race, are looking to just be wheelchaired in a Cadillac of wheelchairs into the cro- in the finish line. But no, the prize is worth every effort. And so we give it our every effort. There's a vigor and strength that shows itself when you are running. It's a pattern of self-denial. It's not that we are to be a violent people. If anything, if we, could, if we should be violent people, should be, we should be violent towards our sins. I'm convinced that Adam in the garden with the serpent and Eve tempting, and and, the serpent tempting his wife, Eve, he should have punched that serpent in the face. Joseph was a violent man when he was tempted by his master's wife, and he fled in the other direction with his running shoes or running sandals. So no matter if you're single, no matter if you're married, no matter if you're young, no matter if you're old, no matter what stage of life you are in, the purpose always remains the same, that your chief purpose is to pursue the kingdom of heaven, that by any means possible you may enter into that kingdom, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, giving everything you've got to pursuing Jesus because Jesus is the prize at the end of the race, and you want Jesus more than anything else in the world. And so the question is, how is the race going for you? Do you feel like maybe you're running at a pretty steady pace? you feel like you're running well? Don't be ashamed in admitting that. You know, praise the Lord. Continue to run the race well and also look to those who might not be running as well as you do, as you are. And see to encourage them and help them. Do you feel like your pace is slackening. You feel like you're running a little bit slower, running out of energy. Ask yourself, why is that? Are there competing desires in your heart? Has there been more of a desire for sin than of Jesus? Has been? Had there been more of a desire even of good things, but more of those things than a desire for Christ? What's got your attention? Are you in the Word on a regular basis? Are you praying? you in regular fellowship with the saints. is a regular conversation about the things of the Lord, right? Those helpful reminders that life is ultimately about Christ and pursuing Christ and glorifying Christ. And by the way, for those of us who have, who have a family who still have kids in the home, do you, can do your kids see in your life that you value, that you treasure Christ above all things? Do you feel like giving up as you're running the race? Or maybe you have given up. Are you kind of lying flat on the ground because you have no more energy to run? Right, if that's you this morning, I urge you to talk to somebody. Talk your elders so that they can pray with you, so that we can pray with you and encourage you, seek another brother or sister in Christ to encourage you, to pray with you, to perhaps keep you accountable, to help you run the race well, but we don't run as individuals. My Lord has called us into his household, and so we run together as a family, and so we're called to help one another, to encourage one another to be able to pick somebody off off the ground and help carry that person step by step by step until the person can start walking and running on their own two feet as they once did. And so we're all on a race. I'm sure many of you don't like running. I don't like running. But it is how the Scriptures describe the Christian life. It is a race. And for the race, right you need the right mindset. focus on Christ, focus on the prize, focus in the present. You need the right fitness, you need a regular intake of the word, you need the means of grace in your life to maintain that level of fitness that you need to continue to run and you need to set your mind on the prize. There is a prize waiting, and it is worth every effort. So may we give it our all and encourage one another to give it our all as we pursue the Lord Jesus together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for giving us yourself. Lord, we don't always live like it, but you are our greatest treasure Lord would you help those of us with competing desires In some degree we all have competing desires because we are sinful would you help us Lord to set our desires in the, in the right place and that is on Christ help those of us Lord who may be struggling more than others to encourage them? Would you help them, Lord? Give them the grace, God, to set their minds on Christ. Help us, God. Help us to be a people who treasure chi- Christ and that it may be so evident to our friends, to our coworkers, to our neighbors, to our children, wherever we go, that it may show that we love Christ, that he is our greatest treasure. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Church, let's stand uh, once more to, to continue in worship through song and in response uh, to, to the Lord's word today. Amen. Such a fitting song, O Church, arise, Amen. Sing, O Church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong In the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and belts of truth We'll sin against the devil's lies. An army bold whose battle cry is love reaching out to those in darkness our call our call to war to love the captive soul but you rage against the captor and with the sword that makes the wounded whole we will fight with faith and valor when faced with trials on every Die. We know the outcome is secure, and Christ will have the prize for which he died, an inheritance of nations. Come see, come see the cross where love and mercy meet, as the sign of God is stricken. See his foes like rust beneath his feet. For the conqueror has, has risen, yes, it has. And as the stone is rolled away, when Christ emerges from the grave, his victory march continues till the day every eye and heart shall see. So Spirits, so Spirit, come for strength in every stride, give grace for every hurdle that we, that we may run. Yes, Lord, with faith to win the prize of a servant good and faithful. As saints, has saints of old, still life. Standing Lord, my saints. Day in glory, uh, Lord, we, we worship you. God, I, I, I ask you Father, that you may that you may graciously help us, Lord, to stride forward in running this race well, making every effort to win the prize, Lord, the prize of eternal life with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May that be true, Lord, and may we seek that daily uh, for your glory. Lord, and um, church, as um, we are dismissed, um, I want to leave you with our benediction of Psalm 9, uh, verses 1 through 3. And it says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. May you be encouraged, church. God bless you. You are dismissed.